that was so great. Thank you, choir. Uh, I love having a choir. It's a very unique uh, part of our uh, church and our English ministry. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate Chanju filling in in the interim uh, as an accompanist uh, after Mina has departed. Uh, thank you, Peter, as well, for filling in on the praise team. Uh, that was great, too. I also really appreciate our praise team. Uh, our, our, I love coming to worship. Worship is uh, food for our soul, and indeed, when we come, we can once again come and stand on the promises of God. And as we prepare now to listen and receive God's word, let us stand on those promises. We know that leadership affects other people, right? A bad leader can cause a lot of difficulty, harm and suffering even. A good leader, however, can inspire people and rally people in unity and purpose. A good leader can elevate people beyond what they thought they were capable of. Because of all this, we consider leadership to be very important. St. Paul was uh, this kind of leader. He, he brought people together in the communities he founded. So even today's passage, it's uh, the Philippians. So it's written to the community in Philippi. St. Paul founded this community. And the Philippians, they held a very special place in uh, St. Paul's heart. Uh, together, they, they had experienced the powerful presence of God. They worked together and, and toiled to build the community from the ground up. And they were also his most loyal community. I mean, St. Paul, he founded other communities too. But some of these other communities, there are issues like uh, uh, different people started coming in and they started being swayed and uh, started following them. And, and some other communities, they started to criticize St. Paul. But the Philippians, they were loyal. They were his, uh, to use vernacular, his ride and die people. You know, when uh, he was in dire straits, the Philippians were the only people to raise money and send them to him to help him out. There was a deep bond of love between Paul and the Philippians. Thing is, though, when he, while he was there, it was all good and they were unified. But once St. Paul left Philippi to uh, get involved with other communities, they started to have issues. People started looking after their own interests instead of the interests of others. People started to kind of start competing with one another. Conflict and division ensued. I mean, while Paul was there, they had experienced wonderful togetherness and looking after each other's interests. But once he left, personal agendas and interests started taking over. What Paul was able to do for them, which is bring unity and purpose, they were not able to do for themselves. This is common among a lot of groups that we see after an inspiring leader leaves, right? An inspiring leader, by the force of their personality, conviction, and charisma, uh, can get people together around a common purpose. Uh, a, an inspiring leader can have people lay aside their personal agendas and interests for this common purpose, and it creates a strong bond of togetherness. And a good leader can make people start believing in themselves too, when before they might not have. This leader ends up being the glue that holds the group together. But once that leader leaves, the strength of their personality is gone. 
And often, that conviction of purpose starts subsiding too. So what we see is that much of the unity that the group had is often the effect of a leader's abilities and not the maturity of the whole people. St. Paul says this to the Philippians. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is telling them not to rely on him to keep the group together. Each of them must work on becoming mature. They need to be able to hold themselves together without his personal presence. They need to live out what he taught them without him having to be there. So I realized the problem is not so much the lack of great inspiring leaders. The problem is the lack of maturity among the whole people. I mean, it's nice to have great leaders who can bring people together. We celebrate such people and we admire them. But often we place too much burden on them. Great leaders become a crutch for us. It becomes an excuse not to do our own work, but rather rely on the leaders to do the heavy lifting for us. It becomes an excuse to remain stuck in our immaturity. So what is the nature of this immaturity? It is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is what makes us immature. And the extreme form of self-centeredness is narcissism. I believe we are living in a world filled with narcissism. It pervades this world. We become so self-centered that we don't even know how self-centered we are. It's like the story of two fish. You know, one fish was swimming and it, uh, another fish crossed its path. And that fish asked the first fish, uh, so how's the water today? And the first fish says, what water? Narcissism is so embedded in the air that we don't even know we're breathing it in. True maturity comes when we remove ourselves from the center. And this is true spirituality and spiritual maturity. Paul says this to the Philippians. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We see a downward movement of continual self-emptying. This passage right here, it captures the trajectory of Jesus' life. His life was a journey of emptying himself all the way down to death on a cross. Jesus removed himself from the center. 
But what replaced it was not just empty space. What filled his center was God's love and will. God's will became that center. So his own bodily and material needs, his safety and security, his own dignity and sense of honor, those became removed from the center. At the Garden of Gethsemane before he was captured, his self wanted to preserve itself. He prayed and prayed to God, Lord, if it be your will, please take this cup away from me. Preserve me, please. Don't let me go through this. But in the end, his final words were, but not my will, but yours. God's will was the center of his life. And his whole life reflected this. Loving the unlovable. Healing the undesirable. Honoring the unhonorable. Respecting the unrespectable. He expanded the boundaries of who was eligible to experience God's grace and mercy. And still, the final, ultimate expression of God's will was at the cross. Jesus was nailed to the cross by his enemies. Hanging on the cross, humiliated and ridiculed by his enemies, those who hated him. This is what Jesus said. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. Jesus' final expression of God's will was to forgive his enemies. This is the deepest meaning of the cross. Paul describes enemies of the cross in today's passage. He's saying, do not be like enemies of the cross. He says this, their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. These are people who keep their self at the center. So their God is the belly? In other words, taking care of my stomach, my immediate needs, is my God. Their minds are set on the earthly things of taking care of myself first and foremost. So what does that mean? We are all enemies of the cross. We crucify God's will and turn away from the cross. We are the ones who place ourselves at the center. It is so embaked into our nature. Yet we are the ones that Jesus asks God to forgive. That was what St. Paul realized. That's what shattered his existing worldview. And that's what completely changed and transformed him.
our self-centeredness separates us from the will of God. It suffocates and it crucifies the will of God from our lives. Jesus removed himself from the center and let God's will become the center. And my friends, this is the very heart of the Christian journey. To be a follower of Jesus is to be shaped by Jesus, to be like Jesus, to walk the path that he walked of removing himself from the center and being filled with God's will. And to have our life take that shape. That is the essence of the Christian journey. This is the journey that St. Paul was on. And he describes it like this. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Powerful, amazing gift of words from St. Paul. We can never be fully like Christ in emptying ourselves of our self-centeredness. But like St. Paul, we can always press on to make that goal our own. So he is saying, join me on this journey. And that was the first verse from today. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me. And observe those who live according to the example you have in us. This wasn't like a boast saying, oh, I'm morally superior, so imitate me. It wasn't about that. He was talking about his example of pressing on with everything he had to have his life take on the shape of Christ. That's what he's talking about. Imitate me in that, in pressing on everything we can so that our life reflects that Christ-like life of self-emptying. And he also said that our citizenship is in heaven. I know Jonathan was uh, wondering about that, right? That was a very interesting concept for him. But what does it mean to be a citizen of a particular place? Some of you would know from firsthand experience, when immigrants arrive uh, first in a new country, at first they feel very displaced, right? Everything is foreign, the language is foreign, the customs are foreign. And it's like, what am I doing here? They miss their old home and they're homesick. And there's so many adjustments to make and new things to do. But you know what? If you stick with it, over time, they become more accustomed to their new home. They slowly start to feel more and more part of their adopted country. And in fact, sometimes if they go back to their old country, it might feel nice. But on the other hand, they, even there, they start to feel kind of like a foreigner. And like they don't belong there anymore. So more and more, the more immersed they become in the, the adopted country, the more they start to agree with the norms, the customs, and the standards of that adopted country. Citizenship in heaven means becoming accustomed to the ways of the Lord of that realm, who is Jesus Christ. I mean, the amazing thing is that every citizen of heaven are former enemies of the cross. All of us, those who used to have the self 
at the center. But now, citizens of heaven are striving to have God's will at the center. They're not there yet, but they're striving to. Their lives slowly start to take on the shape of Christ. They're able to start living life more and more for others. And the longer we are citizens of heaven, the more we take on the norms of Christ and his self-emptying. And in fact, the self-centered ways of this world start becoming a little bit strange and foreign to us. How can you live that way? The ways of the world less and less seem to make sense to us. But we live out God's will in loving the world, caring for it, and giving of ourselves for it, even for those who turn against us and become our enemies. Citizenship in a new place requires deep immersion into it. That's the only way to really fully be a citizen of a place. So as citizens of heaven, we must be fully immersed in our Lord Jesus Christ. We must walk daily with him, meditate on his words and his life, and ask God's spirit to shape our lives according to his. And just like citizenship in any new country, this process takes time. It's almost a lifelong journey. I'm sure there are people who've been in Canada for decades now, and they still don't feel like they don't belong here. So same thing. It takes a lot of time. And these changes are hard to detect or notice. We don't realize that we're changing. But somehow, slowly but surely, God changes us and transforms us with his power. Yes, we are citizens of heaven, but we live in this world. And life in this world is marked by a lot of difficulty, pain, and sorrow, hard experiences, And God knows that. That's why God came in the form of Jesus to share our pain. What we do sometimes is that pain takes center place in our life. God knows our pain. But God wants to take our pain so that it doesn't control us. That God's spirit in us can start healing us. So that the pain can be moved a little bit more and more to the margins of our life. Living in this world, people get hurt and also suffer at the hands of others. There's so much suffering and pain that people inflict on others. But what can sometimes happen for those who suffer difficulty from others is that they start becoming trapped by their victimization. And that victimization itself can become a very self-centered narcissism. Every experience gets interpreted through that filter. Now, some people say that Putin of Russia, that he harbors some sort of deep grievance and resentment towards the West for Russia's humiliation after the collapse of the Soviet Union. I mean, who knows for sure what's going on in the mind of him? Nobody knows. But whatever it is, one man's narcissistic perspective and agenda has unleashed untold suffering and chaos. I mean, 2.5 
million lives, one day they're just living their life. And then all of a sudden, because of one man's decision, totally uprooted, upended, endangered, families separated, their whole life has been turned upside down. So much trauma has arisen and will continue to rise from it, all because of one man's narcissism. Every human being has a responsibility to be mature. The only way, really, I think, for this world to be saved is for people to stop placing their own interests at the center and put others before themselves. That's the only way. I mean, all these issues we're facing today, climate change, racism, injustice, unfairness, inequity. What's the solution? Only if people stop putting themselves at the center and put others before them. That's the only way we can save this world. But knowing us, there's no way we can do that with our own wisdom, with our own power. All the knowledge is there. We know what we need to do. We don't have the will because the self is at the very center. We need the same spirit that Jesus breathed onto his disciples. When Jesus was alive, his disciples, they were so immature and self-centered. They're feeble people. But after Jesus departed, he sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to them. The Spirit transformed and changed them. No longer were they driven by their self-interest. No longer did fear have a grip over them. They were filled with the Spirit at the center of their lives. They saw life in a new way from God's perspective. That Spirit gave them courage and led them to expand God's will beyond even what Jesus did. They gave their lives for God's will. God's Spirit, the same Spirit that filled Jesus and his disciples, has been promised to us. This Spirit gives us the power to be freed from our self-centeredness, to live out God's will. Jesus said this, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For citizens of the world, this makes totally no sense. What are you talking about? But for citizens of heaven, this is our identifying mark. This is the pledge we take at the ceremony of citizenship in heaven. I will deny myself and take up my cross and follow you. We are citizens of the way of Jesus. You know, I always enjoy watching the, those citizenship ceremonies. It's very inspiring, emotional sometimes, as they take this commitment and pledge to a new country. Let us celebrate our citizenship in heaven and walk the path of our Lord. Let us all sing together.